Good morning, Hope Church. Really good to be with you this morning as we move into this second week of Advent. Let's start with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. Thank you for your love and your compassion. And I pray this morning as we move through this period of Advent, the coming of Jesus Christ, that, Lord, you would inspire us, that you would strengthen us, that you would equip us, Lord, that you would speak to us today. We look to you, the living God, and we pray today that you would open our hearts and minds and that you would strengthen us in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week, Michelle started the first Advent by looking at being ready and waiting. I spoke briefly about preparing and that we're not alone. Let me just reiterate that Advent is about coming. The word comes from the Latin. What is important is to know who is coming. After all, who is coming determines how we prepare. If your friend were to visit your house, the preparation would be very different to if the Queen were going to visit your house. We also mentioned that there are two Advents. The first Advent was when Jesus was born 2,000 years ago. This is what we celebrate at Christmas. But we also need to remember that there's a second Advent, and this is when Christ will return to judge the earth. We are living between these two events. We celebrate the first and we look forward to the second. I would also add that how we treat the first will probably impact how we're affected by the second. There are three questions I want to look at this morning. This is all to do with Advent, the coming of Jesus. Who came? It's the first question. Why did he come? And what do we do now? Now, we need a bit of backstory here. For those of us who are not familiar with the Bible or with Jewish history, we need to just fill in some of the story. This is to help us to understand who came and why he came. And so in this section, I'm going to cover the first two questions. The Bible teaches us that God created a perfect world. And yet, as is extremely obvious, we are not in a perfect world. The current pandemic has sadly highlighted many shortcomings in human behaviour. When God created the world, he also gave clear instructions as to how humans are to live. He gave those instructions not to lord it over us, nor to make life difficult, but because as creator, he knows best. Think for a moment about the items that you purchase. Some of the more complex items come with instructions. I recently bought a new camera and have a long instruction book explaining how to use it. These instructions are given because improper use can damage the device. In the same way, God's commands to us about how we should live are for our benefit. Even though we are free to live as we want, it can be damaging to us. Sadly, the damage to our lives caused by our lifestyle choices is all too familiar. Take, for example, the food that we eat. Poor diet can create heart disease and heart disease kills about 150,000 people in England every year. Or look at smoking. Even though we know that smoking is bad, people still smoke, and it's been the cause 
of many deaths. Every instruction from God has a purpose. Ignoring it will be detrimental for our physical, mental and spiritual health. The evidence is all around us. So the first effect of ignoring God's commands is that we are negatively affected in our daily life. Now there's a second effect and the second effect is that there is punishment. We've seen over this pandemic period that those who have disobeyed the government's law have been punished. How much more for those who ignore God's commands? You may not like it, you may not agree with it, but you cannot change it. Now before you go uh, saying some nasty things about God, think for a moment. All the ills in our world is caused by breaking God's commands. God doesn't punish us to be vindictive, he punishes us out of justice. All the pain and the hurt going on in the world today can be laid fairly and squarely at the door of humanity. We are the ones that bring pain to others. Think about it. Every war, every starvation, every murder, every abuse, it's all at the hands of human beings. Even environmental calamities are often caused by the pollution and destruction of the world that humans create. Did you know that there's plenty of food in the whole world to go round for everyone? There's plenty of money for all people. But because we break God's command and we're greedy and we're selfish, we disregard what God says. He says, love your neighbour as yourself. He says, give to those in need, help the poor, the orphans and the widows, do not oppress people. In fact, if humans were removed from the planet, all the earth's troubles would cease. Some think that it's a problem only of corrupt governments, but it's very evident that it's a problem of corrupt people. It's been awful to see just how selfish people have been in the last eight months. Overbuying for themselves, ignoring guidelines and putting other people's lives in danger. The Bible is true when it says, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Not one person gets off scot-free. We are all under God's judgment. And the second advent, which we're not going to cover today, but that will deal with Jesus um, punishing the earth for every act of disobedience. The conclusion here is that mankind is inherently bad. Mankind is selfish and prone to do bad before he does good. Children need to be taught what is right because doing what is wrong is something they automatically do if they are left to themselves. It also needs to be said that God is not like that. If humanity is bad, as I've shown, then God, in contrast, is good. God made mankind perfect and they corrupted themselves. Why is God good? Because God has wanted to help mankind out of love. God devised a plan that would deal with two things, the punishment man deserves and to help him transform his life so that he would live the right kind of life. However, this does require human cooperation. God does not force anybody to do anything. I'm going to deal with these two issues separately. 
So the first one is uh, dealing with man's punishment. In dealing with humanity's deserved punishment for disobeying God, we run into a big problem. God cannot just forgive. Now that might surprise you. Why can't God just forgive? Because just forgiving bypasses justice. A judge in an English court also cannot just forgive. He is there to administer justice. Even if the judge's own son comes before him in court, he must administer justice. Should he fail, he becomes unjust. God is perfect, which also means that he's perfect in justice. And therefore, he needs to deal justly with our disobedience. This means that someone needs to take the rap. Someone needs to take the punishment. Here's the bottom line. If there is no punishment, there can be no forgiveness. So God needs someone who hasn't sinned, who can take the punishment for those who have. This also creates us a big problem. The Bible tells us no one is righteous, not even one. If everyone is guilty, who is going to take the punishment? Someone who is guilty cannot take the punishment for someone else who is guilty. He needs to take his own punishment. We need somebody not guilty of any sin. Where are we to find such a person? Knowing that no one on the planet could take this role, God decided to send someone who would fit that role. We now turn to our first question. Who came at Christmas? The answer is the Son of God. Why the Son of God? Because he was sinless and could take the punishment of all mankind's disobedience, or as we call it, sin. This makes the first advent of Jesus Christ so important. Without Jesus coming, there is no sinless person to take our place in punishment. Jesus' coming was prophesied for 700 years before he came. The Jewish people had been waiting for him and he was called the Messiah, the Anointed One. This is really why Christmas is so important. Born into the world was the Son of God with a mission to take the punishment of the whole world upon himself and to see humans transformed into his own character. Thus, forever ridding the world of the need to be punishment punished for their sins. Now we shall see that Jesus' sacrifice is not universally applied to every human being. No, every human being needs to appropriate it for themselves. I'll explain this a little bit later. So the answer to who came at Christmas is Jesus Christ, the sinless Son of God, for the purpose of taking away the sins of the whole world. Now we've, we've covered why he came and we've also covered who came. This leaves us with the last question. Now, what do we do? I want to mention two things here that I mentioned earlier. I said God's plan was twofold, to deal with the punishment that man deserves because of disobedience, and that God wants to transform mankind to live the right kind of life. Jesus' birth, death, and resurrection deals with the punishment for sin. That is, it makes it possible for everyone to have the punishment for their sins removed. Let me unpack that a little bit. It's helpful to know 
how we can have the punishment for our own sin removed. This is not as simple as people think. The two aspects of God in him removing sin and transforming our lives, those two things are inextricably linked together. You cannot have one without the other. Some have taught in the past you can have one without the other, but this is not biblical truth. Removal of, of the punishment for sin must lead to a transformed life or it's all pointless. In terms of the removal of punishment for sin, God has made all of the provision. By that I mean that God has paved a way for us to be forgiven and yet still remain a just God. What remains is our response to what God has done to procure our forgiveness. Our response needs to contain a number of elements. First, we need to believe. We need to believe what God says about us, that we're sinners. We need to believe in what God tells us we must do, which is to repent and turn away from not just the sins we've done, but from a sinful life. We must believe that Jesus' life, death and resurrection were real events and that they can take away the punishment for our sin. We need to repent, and that is turning away from disobeying God. Turning away means that we start to obey everything that God wants us to do. And then finally, we need to put our faith in Jesus. That is, we need to believe that what he did was sufficient to remove the sin and that it opens to us every promise of God in this life and the next. The first element is about understanding, about repenting and believing. That is having our sins removed, the punishment for sin. The second element about having our lives transformed is about a daily walk with Jesus. Both are essential. We need punishment removed and we need a new kind of life. One part of this is not enough. We need our lives transformed. All too often people just look and say, I want Jesus to forgive my sin without wanting him to transform their lives so that, so that they live the right kind of life. Let me tell you, it is not possible. You need both together. We need to recognize that we need help on a daily basis, that we need God's spirit empowering us, changing us from the inside out. This is a lifelong process. I've mentioned this in previous sermons, uh, Christ being formed in us, believing God's promises, obeying Christ's commands, following Jesus no matter where it leads. We trust daily for him for strength. This kind of a lifestyle leads to transformation. Having our inner person change, we find we gain an ability to be obedient to God. Not in our own strength, but in the strength the Holy Spirit supplies. We find every day is an exercise in trusting in God. And God loves to give us the ability and to supply everything we need to get through the day. He forms in us the character of Jesus, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and we become a new creation. As I conclude this morning, Christmas is about God's plan being revealed. 
his plan to save mankind from their sins and to transform every human being to be more like Jesus. God doesn't forgive our sin for us to continue in it. Not only is that illogical, but it serves no purpose. No, in Christ we receive forgiveness of sins and a new life. The two work together. A new life that is made in the image of Jesus, that draws its strength from Jesus. So this Christmas, celebrate the coming of the God-man, Jesus Christ, the only human who was ever perfect that lived on the earth. And look to him, believe in him, put your faith in him, and follow him every single day of your life. And you will be amazed what he will do in you and through you. There's a lot I've said today that I haven't been able to unpack. If you have any questions and I encourage you to contact me, you can go to our website and use the contact form. If you would like to know more about following Jesus, then I would encourage you get in contact with me. I would love to chat with you about that. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you care for us. I thank you that you are faithful in all things. And I want to pray that what has been of me would fall to the ground this morning, but that you would speak into the heart of every person and not let them forget what you are saying to them today. We thank you, Jesus, that you take away the punishment for our sin. And we thank you that through that you transform our lives to become like Jesus so that we are able to live a new life in the power of Jesus Christ. Lord, bless everyone today. Help us to walk in your ways, in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Have a really great day.